0: Hey there, just popping in at the top to warn you that this podcast episode may include some language that's inappropriate for young ears. And it does include a brief discussion of sexual assault and gender-based violence. And as always, there will be spoilers ahead. Now enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome to Tear Jerkers, the podcast where we rate movies on a scale of how much they make us sob because sometimes you just need a good cry, and we're here to tell you where to find it. I'm performer, writer, and one-time comedy class enroller, Mabel Shimizu. And I'm Kimia, and I like Hannah
1: Gadsby. Today we'll discuss tension and anger, retelling your story until it shapes your living memory, and being the butch lesbian you needed when you were a child. It's Hannah Gadsby's comedy
0: special, Nanette. And then we'll finish this episode, not with any of our typical closing segments, because this is our 20th official episode and our season finale. So we'll be doing a wrap up discussing our highs and lows this season. But
1: before that, let's talk about our personal histories with Nanette. Maybe I'll have you seen Nanette
0: before this week. No, this was my first time watching it. I heard a lot about this show before when it came out. It was very big, um, but I didn't actually get around to watching it until last night for this podcast. How about you? Where did you first hear of it?
1: I have seen it before. I watched it right when it came out because I have seen Hannah Gadsby in a show called Please Like Me. That is one of my favorite television shows of all time. So when Nanette hit Netflix, I watched it, like, right away, and then I watched it again about a year-ish ago, and then again last week. Awesome. And I'm really excited to talk about this one with you. Like, <laughs> this one is, like, I, I'm really, really, really excited for this one.
0: Okay. Oh, that's great. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Okay. Before we get into it, let's take
1: our first ad break.
0: This episode of Teardrackers is brought to you by Getting Medicated. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. It changed my life. Yeah. I think that seeking the appropriate help to balance, like, your mental state, is it is life-changing. Like, you never know. The healthy mentality you could be having until you
1: get medicated and you get to have it. Yeah, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was seven, and I didn't start taking medication until like seventh grade. Mm-hmm. But it was a big difference. I like I remember being in math class before I started medication, and I like wrote number one on my paper, and then nothing. And my friends were like pa- flipping the page in the textbook. Uh-huh. We were like sharing a textbook because it's public school. Yeah. So. Um, they're like moving on to the next part. I'm like, oh shit, I haven't done anything. And then after medication, I was flipping the page and they were behind me and I felt so powerful. Oh my gosh, that's a beautiful story. I I do love that. Thank you. It's very beautiful. Yeah. My dad said um, when he had, he took medication after college for the first time. Mm -hmm. And he said that when he realized how powerful it was, he cried and he um, like lamented that he didn't, get his doctorate oh yeah like he's like if i had had this before i would have gone straight for my phd
0: oh wow yeah that it that would have been life-changing yeah what about you i mean i've actually been medicated my entire life for a non-like mental reason but it's a hormonal thing so like if i wasn't on the medication then it would have also drastically impacted me um But yeah, I've been taking daily medication my entire life. And then when I got to college um, and I was still not like doing that well, I got additional help in the form of hormonal birth control, which took me from being manic depressive like half of the month to not being manic depressive at all. So yeah, I, I never ended up having to be on any like official like mood stabilizers or antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication just like some basic hormonal birth control was all i really needed Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean don't underestimate the power of not getting your period oh my god it's so good (laughs) it's so good y'all
1: you know how much money i save on tampons (laughs) i told someone sort of recently that I take birth control and I don't have a period because of it and like I think the last period I got was like I don't know maybe a year or two ago and they were like I'm kind of mad at you now
0: <laughs> I think that was me because I think I had that reaction when you told me that you hadn't had your period for like a year and a half Then I guess it's happened twice <laughs> I'm like that's fucking bullshit and how dare you
1: <laughs> I don't know but it's great I love it
0: three cheers All right, let's get back to the show and discuss this week's movie. Let's do it.
1: Okay, before we get into the discussion, I have to say, the best listening experience for any episode of Tear Jerkers happens when you've seen the movie before. For this specific episode, I argue that it's absolutely necessary. If you haven't watched Hannah Gadsby's Nanette, pause the episode now and come back after you've seen it. That being said,
0: Maybell, what did you think? I loved it. I knew what I was getting into because I've seen so much discussion about this special online, mm-hmm. so it definitely didn't catch me off guard in any sense. But yeah, I loved it. And I'm really excited to hear about why you're so excited to talk about it. I just really love this show. I I feel very,
1: I don't know, like vindicated. I've had so many conversations with people, especially when I was younger, like, guys being shitty and telling jokes and then I would be like that's not funny and they'd be like lighten up you can't it's edgy humor you wouldn't get it it's too edgy for you mm. let me be homophobic or whatever mm-hmm. um, and I didn't as a you know, preteen or a teenager did not really feel like I had a great defense yeah. for myself just like okay fine I'll just shut up and ignore you I guess what else can I do and Hannah Gadsby's special Nanette Took that concept of edgy comedy, Mm -hmm. but flipped it around like, fuck you, that guy. Yeah. Who said that. All those shitty guys that said that. Oh, God, I know. I would love for them to watch Nanette and have that turn back on them and have them feel uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, I am totally, like, on your side of the experience of, like, growing up and seeing quote unquote comedy that did not feel funny whatsoever to me. Mm -hmm. And then being told that I was just bad or stupid or broken for not thinking that jokes about people like me were funny. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Until I was in like college, maybe i truly felt like comedy did not leave any sort of a space for a person like me. I, was just used to most comedy being sexist and racist and homophobic and I didn't see how I was supposed to actually enjoy it myself until like basically the 20 teens when comedy started to get a little bit more diverse and you started to see more people with different perspectives getting to tell jokes and like maybe those jokes were still about gender or sexuality or race but just by virtue of who was telling them they weren't sexist homophobic racist jokes you know mhm yeah punching at the racism yeah punching up or versus or like also just talking about your own in group as like a member who views that group with love mm-hmm. like you can poke fun at your own like ethnic background and like the stupid shit your family members do Mm -hmm. because you love them and like obviously you're not seeking to dehumanize them when you make fun of them for their very like ethnically specific behaviors but yeah it's just completely different (laughs) it is
1: so watching Nanette was so refreshing and so powerful and I did cry the first time I watched it I cried the second time I watched it and I teared up a bit This third time that I watched it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm saying that too soon, (laughs) but oh my God, what a, what a thing. Like I, Mm -hmm. I've in, in that show that I mentioned, please like me, Hannah Gadsby plays like a fictionalized version of herself and it's really, really funny, but it's also about mental illness. And so that character did give me some preparation, I guess, Mm -hmm. even though I didn't know what was going to happen. And then I was like, oh, I wonder what Hannah Gadsby's comedy is like Mm -hmm. outside of a scripted show. This is going to be great. But so I wasn't like 100 percent surprised. Um, But man, it's just real good.
0: So when you first watched Nanette, were you like punched in the gut unexpectedly by the turn of tension in her comedy? Or did you kind of know what you were getting into?
1: I I didn't expect it. I was I was punched in the gut. Yeah, I was definitely was very emotional and but but very, very into it. Like I, I caught on, you know, pretty quick because of my familiarity with Hannah Gadsby. Yeah. She's just real great, y'all.
0: She is. I really like her other special, Douglas, mm-hmm. which I did watch. Um, and that one is not nearly as serious as this one.
1: Yeah. Okay, so for context um, she really was going to quit comedy. <laughs> um, Nanette was going to be like her last thing. And then she was surprised by people's reaction to it. So
0: so she was like, okay, I guess we'll like, keep okay, doing it. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's silly to be like, yes, my last comedy event doing a Netflix special, which is like the thing that comedians are typically gearing towards in their careers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, you're quitting comedy, sure. Like, I know, yes, she was being serious, but in the hindsight, it can't help but kind of laugh at that. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah. I found myself wondering if, like, because I know what the special is about, and I already knew a lot of the stuff that she says about um, self-depreciating humor, I think that that set me up to not be particularly humored by some of her opening jokes Mm. because the first like five to ten minutes of material is like very very light self-digging about the whole like i'm clearly like masculine of center gender non-conforming lesbian um and like we can make jokes about how apparent that is Mm -hmm. and Like, I feel like that's definitely one of those things that comedians do at the top of their act to be like, usually the conventional wisdom for comedians is when you first come on stage, address the thing that, you know, everyone is thinking about you so that you can get it out of the way and get them to listen to the rest of your act. Mm -hmm. That's like very standard. Um, In some ways, it's also considered like annoyingly formulaic to come out and be like i know i know you're all thinking la da da about you know whatever it is you decided to wear that day um but yeah so i i knew where she was going to be going so some of the earlier stuff i was like very quietly observing not (laughs) not like displeased because i knew where things were going but i knew that if someone looked at me i would look displeased (laughs) <laughs> I was sitting there with my arms crossed and just, like, very concentrated and, like, no smile <laughs> until um, until her stuff about how she doesn't like the pride flag. And that's when I gasped. I was like, how? Yeah. I really related to her stuff about identifying as a nap, identifying with... as tired yeah like, I, identifying as tired expressing my identity through the metaphor of a nap all of that stuff I did like
1: mm-hmm. yeah I so I watched it with Jacob oh and and I was kind of like paying attention to his reaction was it his first time mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. he didn't really know what he was getting into either but um, <laughs> he asked me he was like well is it Cause he knew he was watching it for the podcast. He was like, it, "Does it make you cry?" And I was like, "We'll see." <laughs> so he like laughed at like the opening jokes, like a, a normal chuckle. And I was sitting there like, ho, 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 ho. "You
0: have no idea what you've just been set up for." <laughs> Wait till you see what's coming.
1: <laughs> and but it comes off really well. He liked it. He, he Jacob's great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he liked it. We didn't talk about it a whole lot afterwards because I was going to come record and he was doing his laundry and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, it was like I did want to watch it again with somebody who hadn't seen it before Mm because I've seen it Mm -hmm. twice. Yeah. I was wondering, am I going to cry on this third time? And especially like I haven't been sleeping very much lately. Mm -hmm. I've been kind of grumpy these past few days. So I wasn't. Coming into it with an open heart, I was just like, okay, I've got to watch Nanette for the show. So I was wondering, am I going to cry? And then when she says that first thing about self-deprecating humor and she says it's humiliation, Mm -hmm.
0: I was like, oh, yeah, it's coming. That stuff actually happened a lot earlier than I expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was surprised it came so much earlier. And then I realized like there would be some ebb and flow. She was, she was going to sprinkle in some more jokes before she really got to like the meat of the teary tear jerky moments. Mm -hmm. And the part where
1: she's talking about her mom and her mom says, I wanted you to change because I knew the world wouldn't.
0: Mm -hmm. I've seen that a lot. I've talked to a few like slightly Older than us, people who have young children, I talked to one guy whose teenage daughter is coming out, and he was trying to explain why, while he still loved her, he was scared for her, Mm -hmm. and because he knew that the world was hard for people who are queer that like it isn't that he doesn't love her for who she is but it's that he wants her to have an easier life Mm -hmm. and so he's he was trying to navigate how to express that um and I told him like the best way to do that is to show her your support and to be very proud of her and not be ashamed of who she is Mm -hmm. because the fastest way to convince your kid that you don't love them for who they are is to ask them to hide any of that. Even saying just for their own protection can be really damaging, especially in an age now where for most people in North America, it's not like physically life-threatening to be out with the support of your parents. Not having the support of your parents is a completely different thing. Um, yeah, the times are changing pretty quickly. and They are. It's
1: possible to be an out queer person and live a happy life mm-hmm. where you're never assaulted or murdered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unlike the past. Yeah. But, yeah, still acknowledging the, the danger that is present for
0: them. And I don't know. I... I know what you mean, though. I feel like a lot of people our parents' age are like, we love and support our children, but the world we understand is that life is difficult for gay people. And so if you could avoid that difficulty by simply not being gay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: but that's that's the worst way to go about it. The best way to go about it is to Talk to your family and talk Mm -hmm. to your friends and say, hey, don't say that shit.
0: Yeah, that was something that I I thought about is people saying like, oh, well, life is so difficult for these people. And it's like, well, it's difficult because you're making it difficult. Yeah. Like, by not accepting them, you are making their lives more difficult. Yeah, why do you want to change your kid
1: and you don't want to change your racist parents? Mm Mm-hmm. Or whatever, like... Talk, talk to your family and make them change. Don't change your kid. Yeah. 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 And then the next hard-hitting one mm-hmm. was when she said, I didn't come out to my grandma mm-hmm. last year because I'm still ashamed of who I am. Yeah.
0: Oh, gosh. I laughed really hard at the earlier part where she said that she forgot to come out to her grandma. <laughs> and I was like, hard relate. Like, I have, I have not come out to any, anyone from that generation of either sides of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then when she returns to that subject and says that it is because of an internalized shame that she still deals with it, I was like, Oh no.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And she talks about how internalized homophobia works and how it makes you ashamed of yourself. And then she brings it back later when she talks about being assaulted by that guy that mm-hmm. she didn't go to the hospital because she didn't think she was worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I liked what she said about tension isolating us and laughter connecting us and about the power of the person on stage to control the tension of the room and then the release of that tension. So my personal favorite lesbian comedian Cameron Esposito has a special called Rape Jokes and In her tour and, like, press coverage for that special, she talks about having the power in the room and that being the person to make other people laugh is a source of power and putting other people in vulnerable positions because laughing is, like, showing vulnerability. And her special is about surviving sexual assault Mm -hmm. and about being a comedian in the early 2000s in these rooms where men were making jokes about sexually assaulting women and about choosing to stay in that field and not participate in the culture that was harming her and other people like her. And her special was really about acknowledging the experiences of everybody in the room and not just assuming like every person in the room is lucky enough to not have experienced sexual assault. Anyway, we should talk about that special some, sometime as well.
1: Yeah, I have never even heard of that special. I've heard of Cameron Esposito, but I will, I do want to watch that.
0: Yeah, um, that one, it wasn't on Netflix. She kind of hosted it on her own website because all the proceeds from that went to Rain. Mm. So that was like technically a charity special that she did because she donated everything for it Um, Mm -hmm. anyway i will link you to it sometime okay i'll give it a watch so i pulled a few quotes from this um i really liked hannah gatsby's writing in this special i have to say it was kind of hard to take notes in the way that i'm used to taking notes in the movie just because with the special it's kind of like a constant movement of words and like there there aren't pauses or breaks the way that there are in movies. Mm-hmm. So I would be crying and I'm like, I need to write about this. But then she keeps going and I'm like still crying and I still need to write <laughs> about it. And I, I had to like keep pausing it. Um, my favorite quote probably in the whole special, the thing that I really, really got out of this was you learn from the part of the story you focus on. Mm-hmm. As a person who is creative and who fancies themselves a storyteller, I found that very important. And yeah, mm-hmm. I love her writing.
1: The hardest hitting line for me was towards the end when she says, "I am in my prime. Would you test your strength out on me?" It's the emotional height of mm-hmm. the special, and it's so. Oh my! Like I know that line made me cry. The like hard the first few times i watched it
0: oh mine was immediately following that line when she says you all know there is nothing stronger than a broken woman who has rebuilt herself Mm -hmm. and that made me tear up and it's making me tear up to read it out loud Mm -hmm. i want to i want to hug
1: hannah gadsby and i want to make her a cup of tea and i want to leave her alone but i also want to like talk to her a lot yeah yeah, I don't know which of those things she would want to do,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I, I think she'll do all take this.
0: the cup of tea for sure. Yeah, <laughs> the rest of it, I'm not. I'm not sure about. Yeah, all of my most of my other notes are just about where I've cried. Um, mm-hmm. Like where she tells the story about growing up and already having become homophobic before even realizing that she was gay. And that internalizing of shame, um, that made me cry. Mm -hmm. And then when she's telling the story about how she was beaten by a homophobe and she says, I'm incorrect and that is an offense. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That part. That part. Yes. That part was when the tears actually started leaving my eyes and rolling down my face. Mm -hmm. And like all the gendered violence that she faced. And she talks about all of these powerful, successful artists who are men who take advantage of their power to, I mean, I can't think of another way to describe it than take advantage of young women. Mm -hmm. And she talks about Pablo Picasso and... I, I already knew a lot of the stuff that she talked about in reference of art history. The Van Gogh stuff, which Van Gogh is not one of the men that mm-hmm. uh, got powerful and abused women with his power. In fact, like he's kind of famously like one of the least powerful artists in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. He only sold one painting, and nobody knew who he was until well after he died. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the stuff about Pablo Picasso, it made me think uh, the same things about Charlie Chaplin, who impregnated a 15 year old girl when he was in his 40s and fired I her i didn't know that yes and elvis presley oh who met who met his wife when she was 14 years old and he was in his 30s and then he married her when she was 16 oh my goodness like all al- did not know that one so many of these men who are like venerated artists of the 21st century are also all pedophiles not all of them obviously but like Mm -hmm. so many of them and so many of them have gotten away with it because we're just like well but the art is good
1: yeah and she she has like a a couple lines about that that about how the 17 year old girl her potential people decided her potential could never equal Picasso's yeah and she just briefly touches on it but we do hear so many arguments one line after another about how asshole geniuses they're geniuses though they can be assholes because they're geniuses and um maybe yeah that guy's a shitty person but he does such great work he makes such great whatever it is that he makes he's so brilliant and then all of the people that they abuse are just a byproduct of that person's greatness and we don't um we don't talk about how the more people they abuse the fewer geniuses there are yeah yeah they that all of those victims of their abuse won't ever reach their potential and if we keep excusing that kind of behavior to save their art or their medical brilliance or whatever it is that they're contributing then we're just dismissing all of the potential contributions of their victims mm-hmm yeah i've heard people talk about it but not nearly as often as i hear people talk about that guy is so great though yeah. hmm. hmm. we should just let him keep being shitty yeah the other line that got me was when she said we don't give a fuck about women and children yeah it's, oh yeah oh so true no one says it like that yep We just, what about the children until the children need something and then they should just get it themselves? Mm -hmm. We should just
0: take their lunch away that they
1: couldn't pay for because it's their fault.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just about the great men. No one really takes the time to dig deeper. Yeah. Um, That kind of stuff does remind me of like these quote unquote literary geniuses of like the English classical canon whose works were like almost entirely shaped by their wives like (laughs) Tolstoy's wife did like all of his editing and like was basically his book agent and I think another was it Tolstoy or was it someone else someone else like literally just stole stories from his younger sister's diary
1: oh my god
0: like, literally just lifted verbatim the words. I mean, often, like, sometimes there have been accounts of, like, women who whose own words and work in, like, their own fiction were stolen by their husbands because they were considered their husband's property. Because as women, they were their husband's property. Aww. And – or, like, Ugh. even in the more modern era, people, like – I think I heard it about, like, Tolkien – And about how he could spend, you know, eight hours a day fussing in his study about all of his great imagination. Because he was a man who had women in his life to do the housekeeping and the cooking. And, like, that isn't really just him. It is, like, a gender issue of, like, unpaid and unseen labor. But... Mm -hmm. It just makes me think about like all of these quote unquote great men who are like, well, yeah, you had all the time to lay around and be geniuses because you weren't cooking, you weren't cleaning, you weren't keeping people fed. Mm -hmm. There was some filmmaker,
1: too, whose wife did all of the editing of his film. George Lucas. Is it? And like, how sad is it that I don't know her name?
0: yeah i think the yeah the first three the original star wars movies were edited by george lucas's wife and they were basically like also yeah editing is largely like a woman's job in hollywood and nobody gives them the credit for basically making the movie as good as it is because they have to take all of this footage that the male director shoots and then put it in some sort of order that makes a story make sense Mm -hmm. anyway Uh, Anyway, a little bit of a rant. Um, I think my last quote for Nanette, I didn't take that many notes. Also, a comedy special is shorter than a movie, so, like, we do have fewer notes here, but my last note for Nanette is, to be rendered powerless does not destroy your humanity. Your resilience is your humanity, which was another quote directly pulled from the text. That made me cry. I mean, it was like that whole, you know, last fifteen minutes. I was crying.
1: Mm-hmm. It's so good. Oh my god! I just like I don't even know if I can really talk about it that much. There's
0: yeah, it's all good. It just like I can point at every single moment and be like, that was good, that was good, that was good. Mm-hmm. Like you should just watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just watch it, guys.
1: You've already seen it. If you're listening, you better have already seen it. This is a threat. <laughs> <laughs> To our beloved listeners. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, that, before the, just the ending song, Mm -hmm. the song that they play um, during the credits of Annette is um, called A Better Son or Daughter, and it's by Rilo Kylie, and I heard someone on Twitter or something, before I had heard of Rilo Kylie, talking about the song, and I listened to it, and I didn't get it the first time, and then several months later, I did cry to the song many times in the car. Oh. It's it's just real great. Mm-hmm. If you get to the point where you get it, then that's excellent. It's a great song. Can we talk about the blue?
0: Yeah. I really liked I really liked the bit kind of in the middle about <laughs> about blue and the suit jacket that she was wearing was blue and that was like obviously very intentional. Um mm. And her stuff about like the gender of colors was really fun, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, <laughs> colors don't actually have gender. It's
1: like like she had all these really um, light, just so light jokes about the color blue, mm-hmm. and haha, how funny is it that we talk about blue in so many contradicting ways? And then mm-hmm. <laughs> after that, she just. She just tears everything down. Yep. Yep. <sighs> I admire her so much. Mm-hmm. Hannah Gadsby,
0: I love you. I gotta watch her in Please Like Me. Okay, let's do ratings. All right, before we get all into the ratings though, could you refresh the listeners on our rating scale? Yes. <laughs> One teardrop,
1: bone dry. Two teardrops, I could see myself crying, but I didn't this time. Three teardrops, it got me a little. Four teardrops, I cried. And five teardrops,
0: full sobbing. Maybell, how would you rate Nanette? I'm rating Nanette 4.2 teardrops. I definitely cried. I felt them going down my face, those teardrops. But it wasn't like a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. But still, solid, solidly got me to tear, tear and cry. So yeah, that's a 4.2 for me. How about you?
1: I am real stuck between a four and a five on this one. I don't remember how much I cried the first and second times, but I do remember I did fully cry. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really, really sobbed, but I did really actually fully cry. So I guess I'm at a four.
0: Okay. I mean, you can always do a decimal point if you want. It's it's a solid four plus. Okay.
1: And And I don't know if I'll watch it again unless I'm watching it to convince somebody else to watch it mm-hmm. like my mom or my sister or whatever but mm-hmm. it's so good I've seen it three times that's enough times mm-hmm. but it's really good okay let's take our
0: next ad break this week's episode of tearjerkers is brought to you by breaking up the comedy special format she did it yeah and took that comedy special format and she said nope yep actually when you were talking about how much you love this special it reminded me of probably my favorite comedy special which is hassan minaj's homecoming king that came out in 2017 i believe Mm -hmm. um which is hilarious and also not so much a comedy special as it is a one-man show Um, Although I guess you could argue that there aren't a lot of distinctions between a one-man show and a comedy special, but um, a lot of what you said about how uh, Nanette impacted you as a watcher and how you felt hearing a lot of these things validated in your experience um, through Nanette, that is how I felt watching Homecoming King for the first time. Okay. Okay cool you know cuz he talks about his experience of immigrating to america um and being a brown person in america and while obviously like we don't have the same experiences we're both still asian and mm-hmm. i felt very validated by his um by his comedy in a way that i hadn't really gotten from a lot of other comedy yet at that time and his his breaking up the format was a little bit more of like using slideshow and like having those serious moments that was definitely the first of the comedy specials that had such like serious moments interspersed throughout the comedy special kind of the way that Anna Gatsby does in Nanette
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um but yeah that that was what you got me thinking about I'll have to watch that one yeah you definitely should watch it
1: I've seen probably clips of that special. I know I've seen clips of Hassan Minhaj's work and I remember them being on that those on those
0: topics. Mhm. And he's great. Oh yeah. I really like his stuff. Another stand-up special that breaks the comedy format that I loved is Jenny Slate's special. Have you heard of her? I think I
1: Yeah, I think I started that one and I didn't finish it. Like I did not um it didn't call to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or I got bored or distracted or something. Who knows what happened? My <laughs> um, yeah. But tell me about
0: it. That one, the format is broken up because they have the taping of her performance, but it's intercut with these moments of like documentary style film of her family and her revisiting her parents at her childhood home Mm. or like in some scenes like she's with her grandmother and in another she's with her sister and she's you know, talking about memories of their childhood or in another, she's like looking through this box of like letters that she wrote when she was in high school to herself or or like notes about boys that she liked. Oh, cool. And I think the stand-up special is called Stage Fright, but it might not actually be called that, but it's about stage fright and it's about her coming back in a sense to herself after she basically like, had a huge blunder on national television and, like, caused a lot of anxiety. I don't know if you know this, but basically she got mm-hmm. cast on SNL, and then mm-hmm. on her first night on SNL, she dropped the F-bomb twice and oh. got fired. Um
1: Ooh. And... Well, as far as things go, that is, like, a funny story. Uh-huh. When... Obviously it sucks for her but like it's a funny story she didn't like hurt. Yeah, a she didn't hurt anybody. Or like I don't judge her saying
0: something all. horrible. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: like oh, I was like oh okay, like she's fine.
0: Not like oh Jenny Slate's evil. No, no, or... she's definitely <laughs> not evil. Um yeah, so she she talks about like kind of mentally recovering from not just that because I think that that was more of a tipping point but like the type of anxiety and imposter syndrome that a lot of comedians deal with. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, I'm sure you've heard in a lot of comedy specials, comedians aren't like normal, you know? (laughs) Like. Yeah, I've heard it phrased so many different ways so that they're they're like,
1: they are funny because they're coping with something sad or they're all depressed or whatever. So many different um, perspectives, but yeah. Comedians are um yeah, not super normal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean I mean if you want some like really breaking up the comedy special format, there's tons of different works out there. Um Gage suggests Neil Brennan's Three Mics, which I haven't watched, but I've seen like a clip of. Um that one's really breaking up the format if you want a more comprehensive list you can tweet at us at tearjerkers underscore pod and we can always provide another list but yeah yeah i think like i said before i grew up feeling like comedy wasn't a place for me mm-hmm. and so now a lot of my favorite comedy is stuff that breaks the mold mm-hmm. yeah yeah
1: i i love seeing so many different people now i If we just only have the same white people Mm -hmm. and the same types of men, et cetera, on TV, it just gets so boring. I want to see the same types of shows, the same like family comedies or whatever about all kinds of different families.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like what Hannah Gatsby said in Annette, like we want all the perspectives Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and more perspectives is good. Mm-hmm. and when you go, I'm showing all perspectives, but none of them are the perspectives of women, then you're wasting yeah. my time.
1: And that is true for every other marginalized group. Women are like, for 50% of the population, but like even, you know, all of the smaller groups, all of the marginalized races and genders and sexualities and neurodivergencies, et cetera,
0: Religions, I don't know, there's so many people. There are so many people. <laughs> okay, Kimia, so we watched a lot of movies this first season of Tearjerkers. Do you want to recap them with me real quick before we get into the wrap-up? Sure thing. Finding Dory. Iron Giant.
1: I, Tanya. Coco.
0: Lars and the Real Girl. Inside Out. About Time. Fox and the Hound. Irreplaceable You. Lilo and Stitch, Ms. Purple, Monsters, Inc., Les Mis, Up, Love Story, wall
1: Secondhand Lions,
0: Anastasia, Whale Rider,
1: and Nanette. And don't forget the holiday bonus, Happiest Season. Oh,
0: how could I forget? That was one of my favorite
1: movies. So what was your favorite movie that was new to you?
0: I have to say that Lars and the Real Girl really stood out to me as a new watch because I completely like did not expect the sincerity and the heart in that movie from mm-hmm. some of the advertising I'd seen when it came out. So it caught me off guard in like a really nice way. So it stands out to me as like my favorite new watch. How about you? I'm so delighted. I think my favorite
1: new to me movie was I, Tonya. Yeah. It didn't make me cry, but I just really liked it as a film. It
0: was a great film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your favorite rewatch?
1: Oh, Iron Giant, for sure. It's a, cl- a classic, one of the my favorite movies of my childhood. What about you?
0: My favorite was definitely Lilo and Stitch because of all the movies we covered, that is like my consistent go-to comfort movie. Anytime mm-hmm. I need to get out a few tears and feel, well, comforted. Mm-hmm. And what was your favorite genre? Or did you like prefer animation over live action or old versus new?
1: I think I prefer live action. I don't often find myself in the mood to watch a children's movie. And, you know.
0: Mm. No, that's fair. Um, I don't think that all animated movies are children's movies. Okay, yeah. I want to draw that distinction. However, I will totally, totally like all things being fair, every single animated movie that we watched this season was a children's movie. So like, it is completely fair that you feel that way. But maybe in season two, we can find some animated movies for adults or, you know, that aren't actually just geared at kids. Because I think that there are some fantastic films out there that are animated and not for children. I would love to do that because
1: I can't think of a an adult animation movie off the top of my head.
0: Oh, yeah, I... I think we can find a few. Um, yeah, I'm sure. And with that being said, I really do find myself more drawn <laughs> to animation. Um, especially, I think I really do like children's movies in animation because it feels more escapist to me. And especially in this last year, I really needed like some good escapism, head empty, eyes feasting. That's... That's kind of my ideal movie experience right now.
1: I'm sure a lot of people would agree with you. (laughs) What's your most memorable movie cry from this season?
0: Oh, it's definitely going to be Kate's song from Irreplaceable You, where Kate McKinnon is playing a character with her name and... She's in a cancer support group, and she sings this made-up theme song for the show of her life. It is heartbreaking and hilarious, and it made me sob in this way that I I don't think I'm ever going to forget. Yeah, what about you? What was your most memorable movie cry? Probably
1: Love Story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd have to say Love Story.
0: And what's your least favorite movie or a movie that made you cry for all the wrong reasons? Least favorite is like a three-way tie. It's it's Lamez.
1: It's yeah. Lamez. I really don't see a need to watch that movie again in my whole life. Um, I have and to I also agree. didn't really like Wall-E or Inside Out. I wouldn't wouldn't seek those films out again.
0: That's fair. I definitely have to agree. Lamez was my least favorite movie from this season. Sorry, guys. I don't think I'm going to watch that again. I will gladly see Alive action performance of the musical but the movie is not ever i'm not going to sit down for three hours for that ever again i've already mm-hmm. done it twice that's, that's enough time that's more than enough time <laughs> um i do have to say i also didn't love love story but i did like what you had to say about it okay i'm glad
1: <laughs> okay what was your favorite
0: episode of Cheerleaders? um Ironically, I know we just said it was our least favorite movie, but lame is. Okay, me too. Oh, yeah. that's great.
1: I, it was a great movie. I
0: don't know why it was just like so fun. I I feel like it's probably the episode I laughed the most while editing. It was it was actually it was like kind of fun to hate on a movie a little bit, you know?
1: Yeah, that one was super fun.
0: Yeah. I mean <laughs> It's not like our brand to hate watch things. So it's not something that we can do a lot of. Um, and again, I don't want to watch this movie again. But yeah, it was a fun episode to do. It was just fun to talk about with you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I got a lot of good feedback
1: about Les Mis. Yeah?
0: Yeah? Um, That's great.
1: Yeah. Let me find it. Um. A friend said that it was their favorite pod episode so far mm. and it made them want to re-watch Lame Is. And I said, <laughs> Wow, I can't believe that episode made you want to rewatch it. Yeah. And then they said, I want to critique it heavily now.
0: Oh, okay. Yes. We inspired another hate watch. We did. I mean, it's deserving. I I have to say, outside of Lame Is, though, since we both picked that one, my own other personal favorite. Episode was probably Inside Out. Interesting. I know you didn't really like that movie, but I I enjoyed talking about like all the mental constructs and the pop psychology and I don't know. I I still enjoyed talking about it with you, even though you came at the movie completely differently than I did.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My other favorite was Love Story.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I didn't, you didn't like, like love story. Yeah, but like you got me to kind of come around and see your side at the end of that, which I like to think I did the same for you and in Inside Out. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, some of some of those episodes are my favorites. Where like one of us has very strong feelings, and the other one kind of helps soften those feelings a little bit, maybe.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my favorite part of doing the podcast. Is yeah, yeah, talking about a movie with you and then coming and then coming away with a different understanding.
0: Yeah. I really like that. It's, it's one of the most sacred parts of our conversations in this. <laughs> True. Um. So what is your favorite overall movie? Not like counting tear jerking quality, just your favorite film.
1: I generally find it hard to pick favorites, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I guess my top three is, Nanette, Lars and the Real Girl, and The Iron Giant.
0: Oh, those are all good. They're all good. Mm. I don't blame you for not picking one.
1: Yeah. What was your favorite overall?
0: I'm going to have to go with Lilo and Stitch because, I mean, I've seen that movie over a dozen times. It's just a comfort and it never gets old. And also, I Mm -hmm. feel like every time I see some new little thing in it that makes me appreciate it even more. Mm Mm-hmm. I did like talking about that
1: one. I I hadn't put together the thing about the fish controlling the weather. Yeah, it's deep. And that's. It's deep! Okay, which one was the most tear jerky for you?
0: It's gonna have to be Irreplaceable Hue. Mm-hmm. That movie had me crying pretty much the entire time. And it was okay because it was like softened by these moments of humor and it had so much heart and oh god i loved i loved in irreplaceable you it was probably the most i cried to any of our movies definitely the most i cried to any of our movies it's like my new five on the scale so wow yeah so if i like really want to like cry for a couple hours i would put on irreplaceable you again okay how about you what was your most dear jerky
1: I wish I'd kept track of my writings because I think I'm forgetting one, but mm-hmm. I do remember the ones that made me cry were Nanette and Love Story. Yeah? Mm-hmm. That's great. Especially the first times I watched them. I definitely cried a lot.
0: Oh, yeah. Your story about Love Story especially. Like, I, I bet. <laughs> I was in a unique position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, folks, that's our wrap-up on season one. But before we fully end the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about what movies we're hoping to cover in season two. We are kind of beholden to whatever's available for streaming, though. So these are all mostly speculative hopes that we can find on our streaming devices.
1: I really, really hope that a separation is available for streaming soon because I wanted to watch it for a while Mm -hmm. and it's I've heard really good things about it and I really want to watch it and I want to talk about it for tearjerkers and also The Land Before Time which I've never seen and I've heard it's childhood defining (gasps) and very very sad
0: oh it's so good I don't even remember it that well but I I would be so down to watch The Land Before Time with you Okay, good. We should watch that one. And then I
1: did remember an adult animation movie, Persepolis, which I haven't seen, but I did read the comic or part of it a long time ago.
0: Yeah, Persepolis will probably have to be the first adult animated movie that we cover. I read that in high school, and then I watched the movie right after. It's really good. And um, for adult animation, I think we can probably find a few other... Great movies. I'm sure that there's a Miyazaki film mm-hmm. that we can find tear-jerk worthy, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm I'm totally excited to explore more the breadth of animation beyond just Pixar. Mm-hmm. Even though I do love Pixar, and it has been nice to me. Yeah. And speaking of foreign films, like A Separation, I really want to watch something. Like or just watch The Handmaiden. Oh, I want to watch The Handmaiden. Um, that Korean lesbian period drama. Honestly, I, I really want to watch a few more lesbian period dramas because I've been meaning to get to them, but they keep piling up and I keep not watching them. So we we should definitely put at least one of those on next season's list. It should be The Handmaiden. I want to watch that too. Okay, great. And then um, I would love if we could find an action movie. Outside of recording for this podcast and preparing for it, I actually mostly watch action movies. Um, And I think that there might be one that could get me to cry. I'm wondering if the old guard would get me there, because that one's really good. Hmm. Um, Yeah. It would have to be a pretty good one. And I'm not sure if it would make you cry, but I think it would be fun to try to find an action movie. I think that would be fun, too. Yeah. There has to be one out there that makes people cry. Oh, yeah.
1: Actually, I think I might have one that made someone cry. But they're an easy crier,
0: so. So am I. So let's see. Maybe next season. We'll see. Maybe. All right. And, folks, if there is a movie that you would like us to cover, now is the time to let us know.
1: Well, I think that's all, folks. Did you like Nanette? Tell us how it made you feel by hitting us up on Twitter at TearJerkers underscore pod and join the conversation with other listeners on Facebook at TearJerkers Community. And if you want to send us a voice memo with your favorite movie nomination and why that film made you cry, you can send that to TearJerkers.Podcast at gmail.com.
0: If you get a chance, please give us a five-star review on whatever you use to listen to us so that we can reach more ears. It's the easiest way for you guys to support the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe or favorite so you can catch
1: the next episode, which will be the first episode of season two.
0: Yeah. And as always, tell your friends about this podcast. Tell someone you know who majored in art history about tearjerkers. Or if you know anyone who really liked South Park as a shitty teenage boy and told you to lighten up all the time, tell them to watch Nanette and then listen to this episode and then fuck off. Tear Jerkers is produced by me, Mabel Shimizu, and co-hosted by me and Kimia Ranjberon.
1: Thank you to Oliver for our show art. If you're interested in contacting him about purchasing any art, you can do so by emailing beastcoastarts at gmail.com. And another thank you to the wizard behind our intro music and the editing hero of this podcast, Gage Pryor. You can find more of his tunes at soundcloud.com slash Lincoln, please. Thanks for listening. Go watch Douglas, Hannah Gadsby's second comedy special.